Amen. Well, it's great to be together this morning, uh, even if we are joining online together. And why don't we just open our hearts wide now to what God would want to say uh, to us. I want to begin this morning by reading from Psalm 2. Let's read that together. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Father, we pray now as we come to your word that you would speak into our hearts and lead us into the ways that you have for us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I wanted to invite you this morning into something that's been happening in our household here recently. Our daughter's getting a little bit older now. She's 16 months. And because of that, she's becoming a lot more aware of the things that are happening around her. And one of the things that she's been noticing is when, is when Gemma and I give each other a hug. And sometimes uh, Audrey will notice this and she'll start to make this disgruntled noise and she'll walk or make her way quickly over towards us and start pulling and tapping on our legs and uh, we'll sort of pull apart and look down at her. And as we do that, she'll look up towards uh, Gemma and uh, want Gemma to pick her up. And so Gemma will, will pick her up and uh, put her in her arms and Audrey at that moment nuzzles into Gemma and at the same time looks back at me with a look which pretty much says uh, see dad now I'm with mom clearly uh, Audrey's got a few things to learn about uh, how things work here in this family uh, but it's a pretty funny story and uh, it relates somewhat I suppose maybe uh, to what we're going to be looking at this morning we've been taking in this series each week of this series a uh, different account or a different character in the Christmas narrative in this This Is Love series. And today we're going to look at King Herod, which comes to us from Matthew chapter 2. So why don't we read from there now? It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King, King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler 
who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Uh, Interestingly, in the years prior to Jesus' birth, there was actually an, an anticipation and an expectation that a ruler was going to arise from Judah. Obviously, the Jews for a long time had believed that a Messiah was to come from the line of David, but this expectation had actually spilled over into the nations around Israel. So Suetonius, a Roman historian writing after Jesus, but reflecting on this particular period of history prior to Jesus' birth, he writes this. He says, throughout the whole of the East, there had spread an old and persistent belief. Destiny had decreed that at that time, men coming forth from Judea would seize power and rule the world. There was an expectation that a ruler was going to arise from Judea, not only within Israel, but this expectation was, in, was within the nations of the East. And so when men from the East arrive in Jerusalem looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews, Herod, the ruler of Israel, the ruler of the Jews at the time, is disturbed. Uh, Although he was in the pocket of the Romans, Herod fancied himself effectively as the king of the Jews at this time. And as he hears this truth plainly spoken by the Magi, they just come looking for him. They they know that this is what has happened. All of this years of expectation and of anticipation of this ruler who is to rise from Judah, who would rule the world, comes rushing to the front of, of Herod's mind. All he hears in that moment is a threat to his power and to his claims over the Jews. His ego, his pride rises in jealousy. Here is a man whose lot is insecure in life, who is very unsure. Here's a man who's clearly dogged by anxiety about his future. He's stressed with the burden and the concern of needing to protect himself and to defend his position as a person. And I think truly here, in the account of King Herod, we see the absurdity of sinfulness, the futility of worldliness. I mean, Herod is a man of great worldly power and control. He's walking the corridors of power, and he has influence in those places. And yet, he is deeply distressed and afraid of a young boy who's probably still being nursed by his mother, who can't even string a couple of words together at this time. And where there is insecurity and jealousy and selfishness, deception and murder, unfortunately, are never far behind. And so we read that, uh, that Herod seeks to deceive the wise men, falsely claims that he too wants to worship this newborn king. And when that uh, plan of his comes to nothing because of the vision that they receive from the angels not to return to Herod, he has to take the more drastic measures of putting to death 
all the young boys in Bethlehem. A terrible, terrible situation. These, these actions by Herod, they seem to us today completely outrageous, like nothing we would ever do and truly like nothing we have ever done. But I want us this morning to remember Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. This is what he said. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I, Jesus, tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Although it might not be as evident or as forthcoming, this same seed which is fully grown and which is bearing fruit in Herod's life exists in each one of us. We see it in ourselves when we look across at another family's circumstances at a Christmas gathering and we become despondent, wishing that their circumstances were our circumstances. Or when we look across at another family and harbour secret delight that their circumstances are not our circumstances. We see it in ourselves when we complain to each other about the things that have been happening in our society, our city, or maybe our lives across the last year. When we make complaint, we see it in ourselves when we just withhold some of the truth, when we're reflecting with others about how our 2021 uh, went across the, the Christmas lunch table. We know that we're watering this same seed that was inherited in us when we look towards 2022 with an anxiety and with a stress about what may lay ahead. We know that we're watering that same seed in us when all of our hopes and our ambition uh, for 2022, they're all about how we are going to secure our position in life. Whether that be secure ourselves more financially or socially or in the workplace or maybe even spiritually. Although it's not as evident or fully grown maybe in us as it is in Herod, it's the exact same seed, the seed of self-exaltation. It's the seed of pride and it's the seed of sin. A love of self which is a hatred of others. And as it needed to be put to death in Herod, so too does it need to be put to death in us. You know, the ironic thing that I find about this narrative is that Jesus wasn't out to take Herod's job. If Herod had remained alive, he died only a few years after uh, these events that we read. If Herod had remained alive for Jesus' life, he would have seen a boy that grew into a teenager who became a carpenter and then ended up as a rabbi, not a ruler of, of a worldly nation. Maybe our tendency uh, when we hear this story of Herod can be to think, yeah, you know, Herod's got it coming. He, he's not the king. Uh, he should tremble at the word of this newborn king. You know, Herod, Jesus is king. You can't stop him. Uh, you better bow down before him now, lest he abolish you and, and, and take you away from, from where you are. Maybe that's our tendency uh, as, as we reflect on, on this situation of Herod. But I want to tell you, that's not 
how Jesus felt towards Herod. That's not the spirit of Christ. Jesus said that he had come not to be served, but to serve. Jesus' reign and his rule is not in the same vein as the rulers of this world. Jesus doesn't lord it over us like the Gentiles too. The spirit is was not the spirit of Christ was not to get one over Herod, nor is it to get one over us. Jesus is, uh, did not and is not going to dominate individuals against their will, beating them into submission with either the fear of consequences or or something that he might do, like the tyrants of this world. Those sorts of those sorts of reigns, those sorts of kingdoms, they might look good from the outside, they might look strong from the outside, but inwardly, within the people of those rules and reign, there's a spirit of rebellion that remains, that grows in fact stronger and is ready to break out at any point. The spirit of Christ is, is not getting one over us, but rather laying down his life for us. This is the nature of the true king of the world, of the king of the universe. As I've been reflecting on this, reflecting on this this week, I think it is absolutely incredible that Jesus never compares himself to us like we do, you know, in a sinful way, compare ourselves to others. The perfect, even though he is perfect and completely righteous, he never looks down at us with a a scold or a sneer of superiority. He never looks at us and says, oh, I'm so much greater than them. Jesus had come to serve Herod just as he had come to serve us. He looks up at his disciples as he washes their feet. This truly is tidings of gladness. This truly is the news that the weary world rejoices over. That this man, Jesus, who is the greatest servant of all, who is completely humble, completely meek, completely loving, this man is the true king of the world, the king above all kings. He's the God of the universe. No wonder the lowly and the oppressed rejoiced on that first night of Jesus born. No wonder the arrival of the Savior was like, a sweet drop of water on a parched land. No wonder the lowly shepherds, those who were poor, those who were outcast in the society, no wonder they rejoiced. What their hearts had hoped and longed for was true. That there was one with greater authority than any king of the world. And he was humble and meek and mild. This is what they wanted. This is what they hoped for. A bruised reed he will not break. And so the humble Mary rejoices with these words in Luke 1, 51 to 53. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But he sent the rich away empty. And as Christ died, but was resurrected, he proved that the pride and the power and the strength of worldly kings 
and the evil and darkness of the kingdom of Satan that those worldly kings are actually enslaved to cannot and will not overcome his humility, his service, his meekness, his gentleness, his love. That the darkness cannot overcome the light, the king of light and the kingdom of light. And so we we read that the apostle John writes that light was coming into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. It's true. A king was rising from Judea. This anticipation, this expectation, it was justified. And his name was Jesus, the humble servant king. But as the king is, so the king's people must be. And this is why John the Baptist, Jesus, and then Peter, they all came preaching the exact same thing. They said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. For the king is near. Leave your pride, leave the comparison and the jostling to get on top of one another, to get over the top of others, to defend yourself, to shore up your own position. Leave all of that. Leave your distrust in the Father, which all of that entails. You see, we can't say along with Jesus that we have a good Father who cares for every one of our needs and at the same time look across at someone else and say, I I need what they have. Those two things are, are mutually exclusive. Leave your pride and in doing so, leave your distrust of a good Father who is giving you every good thing, everything that you need right this moment and come and enter into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of the servant king. Jesus said it like this elsewhere in Matthew 11. He said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, take my spirit upon you. A spirit, a yoke of self-abandonment. A yoke of trusting the father completely. A yoke of serving others and, and seeing others, considering others above ourselves. This is the spirit which is easy and light, which brings rest to our souls, which frees us from the need to work, to defend ourselves, to look after ourselves. It frees us from the anxiety for the, from the future, from the stress of, of, of needing to, to do all of those things that the world says we need to do. As Psalm 2 says, blessed is the one who finds refuge in him. See, Christ didn't come to, to slander Herod or, or to, you know, to, to, to take his job or to take his throne. Christ came so that God may be Herod's refuge. So that God may be our refuge. So that we might receive the spirit of this humble Jesus into our own lives and find the rest that is in him. So that's the invitation to us this morning that comes from Christ himself. For us this Christmas, to take up our position as children in the family of God, to take up um, our position as the king's people, to be as he is, as the king is, to have his humility, to have his meekness, to have his, 
his gladness and gentleness and all the things, the joy that comes along with all of that. And so I want to invite us this Christmas, this week, in fact, as we head out to to gather with each other in, in groups as family and friends, as we look forward to 2022, to take the yoke of Jesus upon us, to leave behind the pride and the selfishness, the need to get over one another, leave behind the comparison and the jealousy and to look to Christ and say, Christ, come and make your heart Uh, Come and birth your heart in me. Come and give me your Holy Spirit. And so why don't we pray and ask for the Father to do that now. Truly, Father, yours is the name above every other name. Yours is the name that should be hallowed, that must be hallowed. Because it is the great name, the name of love, the name of, of goodness the name of, of, of humility, of service, of being for others. And that is what we want to lift up. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus into this world to reveal to us that light is stronger than darkness, that humility wins out over pride, that all of those things which are, are the kingdom of Satan, they cannot stand in the presence of, of the King of Kings, that He does reign and He does rule and He has all authority. And Father, this morning we we receive Your Word to us to leave those things and to take uh, take upon us Your yoke, Your Spirit. And so we just ask You for that this morning, Heavenly Father. I pray for those right now at this very moment and they're living under the burden of not trusting You of not knowing who you are and and not following you, Lord. I pray that they might rise to faith. This is why you came, that they could. That I too, Lord, might rise to to have faith in you, Christ, the servant king, to desire to be as you are. And so we pray, Father God, pour out your spirit into our hearts. We know that you say as well, faith without works is dead. And so I pray that you would find a people who are moving you would find us to be an obedient, a responsive people to leave, um, leave behind the things of the old and to look to the things of the new, to be as you are, Christ. Thank you, Lord, that as we do that this Christmas, will we one filled with incredible gladness, incredible joy. The weary world rejoices. The King is here. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
Thanks so much for joining with us for our services today. I pray that you've been blessed and encouraged. And if you sense God was speaking to you, then we want to help you on your journey. Make sure you reach out to us at hello at bridgman.org.au. We'd love to encourage you on your journey. And if you have a prayer need, no matter how big or small, we would love to pray for you. Just email through to prayer at bridgman.org.au. And we have a team of people who will be so glad to pray for you. Don't forget our Christmas services coming up, Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., Christmas Day, 8 a.m. We're hoping to meet in person and our Christmas Eve, 7 p.m. will be live streamed as well. I'm praying you have a fantastic week, that you'll be so aware of God being with you and encouraging you. And we look forward to connecting together again soon. God bless.